0: Let's pray. Oh Lord, I pray that uh, while the world may be asleep, that we're not. And that we are here today to know and to worship and to celebrate and to respond to that Holy One, Jesus Christ. Father, as we come to your word, we know that through your word you reveal yourself. And I pray like those shepherds we looked at last week, we come with a, a sense of urgency and priority, a sense of excitement to know what you have said, how you are revealing. And God, I pray that our hearts and our minds are open, we're prepared to respond. God, we love you. We worship and we praise you. We've given you this time thus far and the time still to remain as a time of devotion, as a time of worship. I pray as you watch us, whether we're singing or studying your word or just the thoughts in our minds or our fellowship with one another, I pray it is pleasing to you, God. To you, it brings honor. We are so grateful you entered this world for us. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, no real surprise about what we've sung today, is there? No, we've, we've talked about this. We come to this time of year and, well, we know the songs that are going to be sung. We know the passages that are going to be read. We know what's going to be talked about. It's Christmas. It's the Christmas season. And there's a lot of tradition. There's a lot of familiarity that goes with this time. And there's nothing wrong with that. Boy, there's a great sense of security, a sense of peace, a sense of warmth in knowing what's going to happen and knowing what is going on. And while that's a good thing, you remember a couple of weeks ago that I challenged you and I challenged myself that in this familiarity, we do not disengage from God speaking. We don't disengage from this story. It's real easy. When I know the songs that are going to be sung and, and what's going to be preached about and the passage. it's real easy. Just kind of put it in cruise control. Just kind of put a smile on and go along with it. But folks, when God is moving and God is speaking, we need to be responding. And, and, and to appropriately respond a couple of weeks ago, we began looking at these original characters of Christmas. And we tried to dive into their minds. What were they thinking? And, and, and should their, could their thoughts be having an impact on what we should be thinking? What we should be thinking on as we move through this Christmas season. A couple of weeks ago, we started with Mary. You remember, Mary challenged us to significantly ponder to put these things together in our heart as we come to this christmas season we need to think afresh why did god enter the world why as a man why through the virgin birth why for me why were they talking about his death at his birth now you know what i would imagine that throughout this room there's a lot of us can say, well you know what? i know the answer to those questions Well, I could even even take you to a verse that answers some of those questions. But folks, as I look at Mary, the issue is not just, do I have an answer for that question? The, The issue is, am I digging deeper? Am I understanding even more than ever before the answer to those questions? And not just so that I can spout it back out through my mouth, but are those answers showing up in my life? Are those answers showing up in the way I live, in my attitude and how I approach things? Last week, we looked at the shepherds and we saw the shepherds, much like Mary. There, there was an excitement about what God was revealing and saying. What we saw with them is a sense of urgency, a sense of priority. Man, when God is revealing, there's nothing greater. That There is nothing more important than when God is speaking. We want to dive in. We want to remember what they did. They went and saw. We want to go and see. And we said last week, you know what, when you really are going and seeing, when you really are interacting with what God is doing, with what God is saying, you know what, you're going to tell others. It's not that you say, oh, wait a minute, I'm supposed to go and tell somebody. No, it just spills out. It it, it overflows out of your life when you're really interacting. We said, you know what, if there's no telling, there's a good chance you're probably really not going and seeing. And so we've been looking at these people around the Christmas world. What were they thinking about? And today we're going to come, and how about this for a surprise, we're going to look at what Jesus was thinking on Christmas. As a matter of fact, let's back up a day. What was Jesus thinking on Christmas Eve? What was He thinking as He was literally disrobing His glory and putting on the humility of humanity? What was he thinking as he was exiting the room of his father, exiting the throne room, leaving there to come to this earth? Did you know that we know? We know very specifically what he was thinking, what he was saying as he made that trip. Would you turn with me this morning to Hebrews chapter 10? Not a traditional Christmas passage, but I think as you're going to see in the moment, it is definitely talking about Christmas Eve. Hebrews chapter 10. If you go to the end of your New Testament, Revelation, and then jog back a few books to the left, you'll run into Hebrews. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some in the chairs in front of you. If it's not right in front of you, it'll be nearby around, point to it, somebody will hand it to you. We want everybody to be able to look at God's Word as we study together. Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to begin in verse five. Says right there, therefore, now look at this phrase, as he was coming into the world, when was he coming into the world? This is Christmas Eve, isn't it? You can write Christmas Eve right out next to this passage. As he was coming into the world, he said, you did not want sacrifice and offering. You prepared a body for me. You did not delight in whole burnt offerings and sin offerings. Then I said, see, I have come. It is written about me in the volume of the scroll to do your will, O God." Now, these words here, as Jesus is speaking, are a a quotation from Psalm chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. So, the writer of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is lifting these words off the writer of Hebrews and putting them onto the lips of Jesus as he's leaving the throne room, the lips of Jesus as he's leaving his Father. In other words, Jesus is saying, Before these words were your words and thoughts, these words were my words and my thoughts. Boy, let's keep in mind Jesus existed before Christmas. That's not true for you and me. Our existence begins when we arrive in this world. We don't exist as a, a little soul or a little spirit. We're not sitting up there as an angel on a cloud until we're born into this world. Our existence begins at that birth. Not true for Jesus. He has existed from all eternity. And before you and I are introduced to Him as the baby in the manger, as the baby from Bethlehem, He existed as the King of all kings. What was He thinking? as he left that position, as he left that state to come into this world. Well, that's what that passage is sharing with us. Well, it kind of makes you wonder, what was it like? I mean, physically speaking, what was it like to to leave heaven and come to this earth? Would it be like bungee jumping? I don't know. Long way from from heaven to earth. You know, I've bungee jumped once before. Karen and I did that together. We were in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and uh, we we decided we were going to bungee jump. It was off a a seven-story platform tower and so we we go up there and and uh, i go first they hook me up and and once the guy said "You, you know you're good man i went i dove off the platform right away and it was awesome quite a rush so then they hook up karen they hook up karen she's back here they're getting all hooked up karen walks out to the edge karen backs off the edge karen walks back out to the edge Karen backs up off the edge. Now, it was a warm night, but I dare say my wife had just frozen. And so I'm watching up thinking, gosh, it didn't seem like I was up there that long. And pretty soon I see, they're unhooking her. I'm thinking, oh, I hope I can get my money back. <laughs> I mean, I was concerned for her safety, too. So they start unhooking her. And sure enough, they're hooking up somebody else. And this other guy goes bungee jumping off. And, but, but Karen's not coming. I'm watching. Why is she not coming down? Pretty soon, they're hooking her back up. I'm like, what is she doing? And then she steps back out to the edge. Now, she will say at this point she jumped. I think the guy pushed her. I think he said, that's it. Three times, you're out of here. Go. So she jumps off. You know, I'm thinking if, if jumping out of heaven is like bungee jumping, I don't think Christ hesitated at all. I think he was hooked up. He got that body and he jumped. Now, I'm not saying I'm more like Jesus than my wife. I'm just saying if it's like bungee jumping, that it was probably like how I jumped. But now you know what? Seriously, think about that. When my wife stepped up to the edge and she hesitated, why? Because she's imagining. She's, she's looking down and she's imagining, what if this doesn't work? What if something breaks? What if I don't like this? What if it hurts? That's what she's imagining as she's kind of frozen in position there. But now let's think about Jesus standing over the the edge, the precipice of heaven, and he's looking down. You know what, folks? He doesn't have to imagine what's going to happen if he jumps. He doesn't have to. Gosh, will they like me? Will they not like me? Will they accept me? Will they not? He doesn't have to wonder. Folks, it's already been foretold. We call it prophecies. And the Old Testament is filled with at least 60 major prophecies referring to the first coming of Jesus Christ. Major prophecies. There's many others that we call minors. But listen to just a couple of these in Psalm 22, verse one. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Lips of these coming off again, the lips of the psalmist. But, you know, Jesus is going to repeat these words where at the cross. You see, Jesus knows when I jump. Man, I'm jumping into a world where I'm going to take on all their sin. And when I take that on in that moment at the cross, it's going to cause a separation between me and my father, a separation. Eternity has never known. Let's let's not just say the world when Jesus jumps, he's going to put your sin onto his life. And that will cause a separation from him and his father. He knows he's jumping into that. Psalm 22. This is written a thousand years before Jesus and about 900 years before there was such a thing. As crucifixion. Listen to this. Psalm twenty-two, sixteen. For dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Now, folks, David's hands and feet were never pierced. He's talking kind of symbolically here. Jesus is going to experience this in reality and physically. Think about that. When he's peering over the edge of heaven, he's getting ready to jump. He knows he's jumping into that. He knows he's jumping into a situation where they will pierce his hands and his feet. Isaiah 53, I'm going to read just a couple of verses here, but the entire chapter is about the suffering that the Messiah is going to go through. Listen to this in verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men. Now, how many of you are looking for a place to go where you know they're going to despise your very presence? Just the fact you're in this room makes me sick. Don't we normally kind of avoid those places? Are, are you looking for a place where you can feel rejection? You ever been there? You've been? You know, we talk about being in little cliques or little groups. You go somewhere and you can tell nobody's comfortable with you. Nobody. Man, we avoid those places. Well, folks, when Jesus is looking over and he's getting ready to jump, he knows I'm jumping into a place where I'm going to be despised and rejected. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like one people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Jesus Christ is the son of God. And when he makes this jump, he knows he's coming to a group of people. We're not going to value who he is. We're not going to respect who he is, acknowledge, certainly not glorify him, for who he is that's what he's jumping into verse 4 yet even though we would not acknowledge who he was yet he himself bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains but we in turn regarded him as stricken struck down by god he was pierced there's that word again isaiah is written about 740 years before jesus arrived he was pierced because of our transgressions crushed because of our iniquities Karen's up there hesitating because she doesn't want to splatter on the ground. Jesus didn't hesitate, and he knows, I'm going to splatter. I'm going to be crushed when I make this jump. Now, there again, that brings us back to this question we've been asking for the last three weeks. What was he thinking? We might ask that question a little bit differently, wouldn't we? What were you thinking? I wouldn't have jumped. Why did he jump? Well, folks, that's what Hebrews chapter 10 is telling us. That's what it's teaching us in Hebrews chapter 10 here in these statements. I mean, it's describing as he's coming into the world, as he's leaving heaven. This is a conversation between him and the father. And he says three things here, three things of why he jumped, even though when he did, he would be despised and rejected and crushed and pierced. First reason, the first reason he jumped because he was thinking about your forgiveness. It talks here in this passage. He says, you did not want sacrifice and offering. Then it goes on in verse six. It says, you did not delight in whole burnt offering and sin offering. We turn back to the Old Testament, Exodus and Leviticus, and it it develops for this, this entire animal sacrificial system. And, and now Jesus is saying, you didn't want that. Now that, that should cause us to scratch our heads a little bit. Say, wait a minute, you didn't want that. But, but Lord, you're the one who put that animal sacrifice in place are are you saying it didn't work no it's not that it didn't work it's not that he didn't want it god was using the animal sacrifice to teach something to provide a temporary covering to sin god god the father knew this was not ultimately going to accomplish but he wanted you and i to understand the high cost the devastation of sin now let me explain in our day and age how do we measure wealth Money, money, the checkbook, the the bank account, the, the size of the house. That's that's what says we have a lot. But that's not at all true in this day and age. Wealthiest person in town could live in a tent. No, they measured wealth in this day and age by herds, Animals. A wealthy person was measured by X number of camels, X number of sheep, X number of goats. Even if you weren't wealthy, you knew that, you know, man, I wish I I had a lot of herds. I wish I had 10,000 sheep. And so they had this understanding of, of all these animals and the value that that brings to life. So you got that understanding... Now, you know what? I've got sin in my life. The Scripture instructs me on how I'm to deal with that sin. So I go up to the temple. My family and I, were going up to the temple. And as we arrive there, what do we see? We see all of these carcasses. We see all of this blood. How natural it would have been to think, to look around and say, man, look at the cost of sin. look at all these carcasses, all this. Look at the devastation of sin. God was trying to put a cost on that, a value on that before before he sent his son. He wanted us to understand the high cost of sin. And now that it is the right and perfect time to send his son, look at what Jesus gets. He says, you prepared for me what? A body. That's what Jesus got on Christmas Day. He got a body. Now, Now, why did he get that body? Well, you know, we could go to scripture, we could see a couple of reasons that Jesus got that body. One so we could we could see him. But the scripture says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So Jesus is your opportunity, my opportunity to see and to touch the living God. That's not really the big reason. It's important reason. Boy, I like that. Don't you? We get to know he's real. We can see him. He exists. But the big reason Jesus got a body. Well, we just read about that, didn't we? You have to have a body to be pierced. You have to have a body to be crushed. You have to have a body to bleed. Jesus came to be that sacrifice that would provide for your sin, provide a payment for your sin and for my sin. Jesus came so that you and I could be made right with God. That's what he was thinking about on Christmas Eve. He was thinking about you and you being right with God. And as he looked down and saw how bad it was going to hurt. But he was thinking about you. And me. And so he jumped. Jesus was thinking about our forgiveness. Second thing that Jesus was thinking about is the fulfillment of Scripture. Notice it says here in, in verse six, verse seven, see, I have come. There's a resolve in Jesus. Do you hear that? I have come. Some of your translations may say, here I am. Here I am to go and to provide for their forgiveness. Here I am to come and, and to do what it is written about me in the volume of the scroll. That's a reference to the Old Testament. He says, I am I'm, I'm here. As, uh, I'm standing at the precipice of heaven. I am ready to fulfill Scripture. Now, folks, think about what a huge moment this is in time. What a huge moment this is in history. Jesus is entering the world and right as he does, he says, "Ah, stop, I got to say something. I'm doing this to fulfill scripture. Man, doesn't that say something? I mean, do you see Jesus noting the high value of the word of God? Do you see Jesus here basically saying, I believe in a literal understanding. I believe in a literal interpretation and I believe in a literal fulfillment of God's word. Now, if the son of God would pause right as he's entering this earth to say that. You think maybe we should have the same attitude about scripture? You think it should have that kind of value in our lives before we do anything? Jesus entered this world to fulfill scripture. Some of that scripture we just read. It's Psalm 22. It's Isaiah 53, a number of other passages. And Jesus said, even though it's going to hurt, I'm going to go because that's the value of the word of God. It's that valuable to fulfill it. Third thing that Jesus was thinking about is obeying the Father's will. He was thinking about following the Father. You see here, here I am, I have come to do your will, O God. Jesus had a joyous resolve, a joyous commitment to do God's will. Now think about that. Here again, put him over here on that platform about to jump. He knows, man, you know, if I do God's will, it's not going to be fun. You know, if I jump, if I do God's will, it's going to hurt. He was committed. Folks, doing God's will isn't something we do because we get an immediate payback. We do it because it makes us rich. We do it because it makes us happy. We do it because then everything in life works. By the way, I think doing God's will is a good avenue to get to some of those things. That's not why we do God's will. Because sometimes doing God's will is not fun. Sometimes it can hurt. But I look at Jesus standing over that. And he jumped. Obeying God. Following the Father's will was that significant. That important to Jesus Christ. Folks, I think as we look at Jesus and we see this joyous resolve in Him to follow the Father's will, folks, we're seeing the true essence of what worship and what sacrifice that God desires really looks like. You know what God, Jesus is saying is that God loves obedience. Now, you know what we like to tell God He loves. You know what? Here's what I think you should get for a gift, God. You should get religion. You should get rituals and traditions. Don't we kind of tend to minimize God down to that? Minimize our relationship with God down to that? It's a a ritual that I go through. It's a tradition that I go through. Well, folks, God's already addressed that. That's kind of what these animal sacrifices were. They were rituals. They were religion. God doesn't want that. If my walk with Christ, if my faith, is defined by observing some rituals, observing some traditions. Folks, I got some rough words for you. God says, I hate that. I hate that. It's obedience that God desires. We talked about this a moment last week with the shepherds, didn't we? We saw those shepherds, they had that same commitment, that energy, that excitement, that priority to obey. I think, boy, we're here again this week, folks. Is there somebody in your life you know God has commanded? He's commanded all over and over in Scripture. Is there somebody in your life you know God has commanded you to forgive? Somebody God has asked you to go and seek forgiveness. A person God wants you to encourage. A person God wants you to help. A, a place, a church, God wants you to serve. The commands are all through Scripture. Maybe you open God's Word and you see the importance that prayer, the importance that Scripture, the the importance that witnessing, the importance that serving. You see all these things. You know these things. Are you obeying? Best gift you can give God this Christmas is not a ritual. It's obedience to what He's revealed. So what is Jesus thinking about as He's getting ready to jump? I don't think He actually had a bungee cord. I don't think He needed it. But there he is, he's about to jump. What's he thinking of? Three things, you, the Bible, and obeying God. Picture Jesus as he was coming, as he was leaving heaven and jumping into that little body. He was thinking about you, the Bible, and obeying God. And it wasn't just that he was thinking about it. Mm. Kind of a warm thought, isn't it? No, it wasn't just that he was having a warm, meditative moment. It's that those thoughts were then guiding the next step he took. Those thoughts were guiding everything that he does. Now, here's the question. If I want to be like Jesus, I want to think like Jesus. I mean, that's what we want, right? Kind of, sort of. That's why we're here this morning. Okay. That's what we want. Well, then I'm going to be thinking about me, the Bible, and obeying God's will. Now, finally, we hear something in church we like. You're saying I'm supposed to think about me? Man, that's good, because I think I've got a gift. I've got a gift at thinking about myself. Now, obviously, you know, that's not exactly what I mean or what Jesus means. When we say Jesus is thinking about you, what's he thinking about? He's thinking about how you get into right standing with God. Right standing with others. There's a biblical word for that. Righteousness. And so Jesus is thinking about righteousness, the Bible, and obeying God. So if I'm thinking like Jesus, then I'm thinking about righteousness. I'm thinking about the Bible. I'm thinking about obeying God. Folks, you see how real and practical this passage is? It's December the 21st. It's Christmas week. Man, what should I be thinking about? Jesus said, well, if you were like me, this week you'd be thinking about righteousness. God, I want to... I want to be in right standing with you. I want to live that right standing with you. You'd be thinking about the Bible. God, I want to to know your word. I want to live your word. You'd be thinking about obeying God. God, I want to obey you every day this week. I don't want any area of my life where there's disobedience. That's what we would be thinking about. Folks, that's the kind of gift that you give to God. Now, let's think about that for a moment. Maybe this year we will give as much effort to giving a gift to God as we give to everybody else. What what do you mean by that, Pastor? What are you talking about? Well, let's think about this. Okay, now I'm thinking, what am I thinking about? Righteousness, the Bible, and obeying God. And now with those thoughts, I want those thoughts then to guide how and what I give as a gift to God the Father. Okay, now Jesus got how many gifts in the Christmas story? Three. Uh, How many gifts? I'm holding the answer up. But you knew it anyway, so I can hold it up. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't have any of those things. I don't even know where you get some of that stuff. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I want you, I want myself, to give three gifts to God this Christmas. And I want one gift in three different areas. I want you to think about giving a gift to God in the area of your faith, I want you to think about giving a gift to God in the area of your family. And I want you to think about giving a gift to God in the area of your finances. Three things. Now, I've got got three areas here. One, two, three. Faith, family, and finances that I want to give a gift to God. What is going to guide how I give a gift to that? Righteousness, the Bible, and obeying God. So I come to I wake up tomorrow morning and I'm praying, God, I want to give you a gift in the area of my family this week. Okay, I want to show in the area of my family, I want to show the right standing I have with you that Jesus Christ has won for me. And God, I know that as I open up your word, man, (coughs) it has a lot to say to me about being a father, about being a husband, about being a son, about being a brother. You know, you put yourself in that role. Folks, we open up scripture. It has revealed a lot about family. What should be happening in a family? My role in that family. And I see that. God reveals it to me. Well, then I want to obey it. And and so I say, God, I want to show, I want to live my right standing in this home. I I want to know and understand what the Bible has to say about family because I want to live that out. I want to fulfill it. God, I want to obey you in what you show me this week about family. And I want you to pray through. I want you to craft from Scripture... I want you to craft a gift to God that will be an act of obedience in the area of your family. You know what? I would imagine there's people in here sitting right now. You know, boom. I mean, I said family and you know, there's an you know what? Here's a way. Here's a place. Here's something I need to do as an act of obedience inside of my family. I I, I know what it is. Uh, somebody else we may need to go home and think on this and pray a little bit you know it might be so here this needs to unfold over a couple of days we need to ask the Lord we need to let him kind of guide us and put that act of obedience together but can we all commit that by time we get to the 25th we're going to have an act of obedience it may be a one-time thing it may be a commitment to a long-standing thing but we've got an act of obedience in the area of our family same thing with finances Man, God, I want to show my right standing with you in the area of, oh, I almost said my finances. Scratch that, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to show my right standing with you as I manage your money. And I know that as I go to Scripture, it says a lot about saving, it says a lot about debt, it says a lot about giving. And, And we understand what God's Word says and we craft a gift that we're going to give to God in the area of our finances. Do the same thing in the area of our faith. Now, that's a big area, man. We could be talking about, you know, my, my commitment to reading Scripture, my commitment to prayer, to being a witness, to, to serving in God's house, to serving in the church. But what in the area of your faith would show the right standing you have with Him? What in the area of your faith would show your knowledge of Scripture and what it's guiding you to do? What in your area of faith would show your obedience to God? This is going to take some work, isn't it? But it's better than sitting in traffic at the mall, And you know what? I promise you. It'll make a lot bigger difference in your life and the life of your family and maybe in the lives of a lot of people. Three gifts, faith, family and finances, probably close to a thousand people in here. Do you think it'd make a difference in our lives, in our family, in our church, in our community if there was three thousand acts of obedience given as a gift to God this week? Folks I think it'd make a profound difference. We may come up with a gift. We might start to understand something in scripture and we say, "Oh gosh. That's not fun." And that's going to cost. Well, that might be embarrassing. You know what if I do that, they might despise me or make fun of me or reject me. Why would I why would I why why why, why would I do that, Lord? Why did it I did it for you. You're not going to put together a gift. That he is not incredibly. Worthy of. Three gifts. And it's going to be righteousness. The Bible and obeying God. That are going to guide how I come up with and wrap up and present that gift to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, would you uh, would you speak to each one of us in here today, this afternoon, tomorrow morning? Would you guide us where we need to go in your word? God, I don't want to imagine a gift. I, I don't want to give you something you don't want. Would you reveal to me, God, an act of obedience that needs to take place in my home. Would you reveal to me an act of obedience that needs to take place in my finances? God, would you reveal to me an act of obedience that needs to take place in my faith, in my walk with you? God, I want these things to express my joy and my gratitude. I want these things to express how much I value you. Oh Lord, sometimes I like to get caught up thinking that that doing a bunch of rituals and religious things. Boy, that must really please you. God, let me see. You've already answered that question in Scripture. You hate that. You're You're not interested in that gift at all. Obedience. Righteousness. Jesus, as I try to craft these gifts, I am so grateful that because of you, I even have the opportunity to give these gifts. Because of you, I'm in right standing with God and I can give something that counts, that makes a difference. God, may this Christmas really may it be significant and powerful. Give me the energy, the discipline, God, the commitment to work these gifts out in my heart and in your word as this week unfolds. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.